0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: That is something that we deal with every freaking week. Okay, so we got lots of stuff to talk to you about today, including our current top five team power rankings. And, uh, well, we got uh, some discussion about the Philadelphia Eagles, about the Chicago Bears, about the Green Bay Packers, Artavis Bryant and that Pittsburgh Steelers stuff, and a bunch of other things, including the Arizona Cardinals, and much, much more. Ryan, how you doing?
0: Good, how are
1: you? All right, so I was just explaining to our listeners that we are now back on track. That was, of course, par for the course for us, as you know, as everyone knows. Yes. Uh, one, one technical <laughs> difficulty per show, so right on par. <laughs> right, and, and we actually had a couple good shows in a row there where we didn't have any, so we were due. It was, it was going to happen at some point, but we're back on track now. That's we're cool. back on track, and... Uh, I have to say, one thing that uh, I noticed earlier in the day, and I, and I have to admit, I, I kind of heard this on an ESPN podcast, tomorrow is National American Beer Day. Did you know that? I did not. All right. So what is your favorite American beer? Do you have a favorite American beer?
0: Uh, I think, uh, you know, Anheuser-Busch makes a delicious light beer that I, uh, that I like to drink
1: often. Okay. <laughs> Well, that's a that's a winner. You know, 20 million others who drink that beer on a weekly basis it might be wrong. So that's definitely a winner. According to uh, according to NBC, the number one American beer in the country is Russian River Pliny the Elder. I don't know if you've heard it before, but I have a friend out there in California. They say that they line up for like a day in order to pick up a six pack, and they get one six pack like a month. So it's like insane. Uh, the rush for this particular uh, for this particular beer. Anyway, the other, the reason why I bring it up is because I looked up NationalDay.com and I found out that tomorrow is also National Black Cat Day. You have a favorite black cat, Ryan? Uh, I
0: actually had several black cats growing up, so I'm a, I'm a big black cat fan. But you know, the one that people and everyone would. Uh would know it's whatever Sabrina the Teenage Witch's cat was on TJM. Yeah, right, Salem.
1: On. That's exactly that's exactly who I was thinking. That was actually the number one most famous black cat. Wow, you re, we're really in sync today. Aside from the technical difficulties,
0: we are really in <laughs> sync
1: today. All right. Okay, well I'm gonna go ahead and re, go ahead and get this thing started because I think our listeners already put up enough uh, of enough of the craziness. though. So... All right, let's roll. All right, the power rankings up first. Uh, so we're going to go through our top five power rankings for this week. And if, if you guys have been following on the website, Ryan has been doing this on his 12 Men on the field article, which comes out weekly, and I'm sure the next one will be coming out very soon. But you want a little preview, go ahead, Ryan. Give us your top five power rankings for this week.
0: Yeah, so after uh, last week Monday night win, I have uh, the Eagles leading the charge at one right now, uh, two, might surprise you. I have KC back ahead of New England only because of the Dante oh. Hightower news this morning. So uh, New England at three, Seattle four, and then uh, my big shocker one, uh, my new dark horse to win the NFC South, the New Orleans Saints, rounding out the top. Five. Oh,
1: interesting. Wow, New Orleans So, so the New Orleans Saints just uh, made it off my list. They, they were actually at six. If I were, if this was a top six, they would be number six. And I think we are in agreement on a lot of this, but. I actually, and I know that the Dante Hightower thing is, is 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 going to be a little bit tough, but I actually still have the Patriots at two, and I have Kansas City at three because, you know, I, I just think their defense is is actually not good, and I don't think, the, and I think the Patriots defense actually has quietly been not bad, and I know, you know, Dante Hightower not being there is going to impact that, but over the last three weeks they've only allowed fourteen, seventeen, and seven points, so it's actually better than most people uh, have been giving them credit for even though their secondary has been rated essentially the worst in the NFL. At, uh, and at, at four, uh, a team that doesn't make any of your rankings, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, the Los Angeles Rams. I actually kind of believe a little bit. I mean, I think Jared Goff looks like a capable game manager, and I feel Todd Gurley is essentially back. You know, last year he didn't have a 100-yard rushing game. This year he's actually topped 100 in four of his last five. He's on pace for 2,103 yards from scrimmage, and that would be the most – by a Rams since Steven Jackson back in 2006. So I think the Rams actually have a shot, and I have the Seahawks at number five. So what are your thoughts about the Rams? I I know they didn't make your top five, so what do you think about that?
0: Yeah, so the Rams were uh, in contention there at the end to make the list, but I went with New Orleans. So um, kind of similar where you have New Orleans, I have them just outside the top five. Uh, For for me, the only thing is, and I I like their talent, and I like the way they're playing, um, but I do... Need to see, you know, it, there there is a little bit of a bias for me with McVay being as young as he is. Um, you know, Goff and Gurley have both kind of had good parts of their career early on and bad parts of their career early on, so I need to see it for a full 16 games um, before I buy in. And obviously I like the Rams defense, you know, that's, we all understand they're a top five unit. So, um, yeah, I like them, and I like where they're at right now, and maybe I'm projecting too much considering it's a, you know, a power ranking for where we're at, at this moment. Um, but for me, you know, I just I need to see it a couple more weeks before I fully go in on uh, on the Rams.
1: Well, tell us about the Saints. Why do you think the Saints are gonna? How did the Saints make the top five this week?
0: Yeah, so I like the way the defense is playing. Um, obviously, you know, I think with Marshawn uh, Lattimore that the that the the secondary stabilizing, um, and uh, I think the, on the defensive line, you know, they're they're playing really well right now. Um, So I think more important than anything is the defense is starting to come along. And then, you know, Ingram, who's been underrated the last couple years, has started to really um, show himself, I think, as as a true uh, workhorse running back. And when you factor in, you know, they, they called Alvin Kamara the young Darren Sproles. And I think at this point right now he's looking like a young Darren Sproles so you mix them mm-hmm. in there. Um, the emergence of Coleman in the receiving game, you know, I mean, Willie Snead is giving this offense next to nothing right now, and they don't really mm-hmm. miss him. And uh, they're winning games when Mike Thomas isn't going off, it, it, when Coleman is, and vice versa. So I just think that their their offensive attack is more versatile than it's been in probably five or six years. And then, you know, defensively, I think that, you know, the the high draft pick uh, of Lattimore is paying dividends and um, yep. that they've made some smart moves in their front seven to kind of – to bring the defense along a little bit. So obviously some missteps early, but um, they're on a, they're on a roll right now. And I think that that division, um, you know, Cam Newton can't take his foot out of his mouth. Uh, Matt Ryan (laughs) might as well uh, put a permanent diaper on every time he steps on the field now. And uh, you know, and so I, I I think it's really, it's really the division for for the saints to win because Tampa's an absolute mess and everybody's tweeting out about their playing time in Tampa. So, um, you know, I think they're going to, they're going to run away with that division now at this point.
1: Yeah, let me ask you a question, because I also have the Eagles number one, but they also had injuries recently. They had Jason Peters, uh, who, they, who's uh, out for the season with a torn ACL and MCL. They're a long-time left tackle. And they also have um, a problem with Jordan Hicks, Mar- uh, middle linebacker Jordan Hicks, who is out for the season with a torn Achilles. So, you know, protection was already a problem for Wentz. So this is, a, I, in my opinion, is going to be a big downgrade. They're leaving Lane Johnson at right tackle. Um, you know, and, and of course, that, and on, on defense, they can't really afford uh, to have injuries like this. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think this is going to impact them in the long run?
0: Um, you know, at this point in the season, it's it's a little bit of a war of attrition. So um, everyone's going to go through injuries. But I think the Eagles have built a sound enough team. Obviously, you know, uh, Peters is one of the best left tackles in football, so that hurts. Um, right. Obviously, losing anybody off that defense, you know, any more people off that defense hurts. But, but where they lose him, they, they are going to get back a Darby at some point here, right? And so that yep. secondary should get better, um, right. And which has been kind of the weak point of the defense to this point. But, you know, for me it really comes down to, you know, most teams I think that there's really, you know, a couple of guys on each side of the ball um, that you can't lose or your season should be done. And mm-hmm. for, for the Eagles, there are three players that I put on the list that can't lose are Carson Wentz, Alshon Jeffrey. And Fletcher Cox. So as long as those three yeah. are standing, I think they can they can survive and make it work. Um, is it ideal? No, but look, I mean, look at the in, the landscape, the NFC right now. Um, what yeah. team is healthy? The only team that isn't uh, hasn't really suffered any major 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 injuries, and in, to my recollection, is the Seahawks. And they have one of the worst offensive lines in football. So that team's not right. you know as far from unslawed. So um, Eagles right. aren't perfect, but. I mean, Carson Wentz, if he can make throws like he did on that, I think it was the third touchdown on Monday night where he's getting hit by three guys that was the play from, like, the sixth, and he uh, yep. he hit the running back there in the back end zone. Like, if, if he can make those plays, I don't know how much protection he needs right now. He's got the body to take the hits.
1: He looks really good. And I will also say Zach Ertz gets an honorable mention in those guys you shouldn't want to lose. They, he have had a really good connection in the red zone, and he is relying on him pretty heavily this year. He, dare I say, is – Among the top two tight ends now up there uh, in the NFL, along with Gronkowski, in my opinion. Let me ask you this: Now that we are kind of talked about the Eagles, which one of those NFC teams do you think are going to challenge or have a chance to challenge the Eagles in the second half of the season here for a shot at that NFC Championship?
0: I mean, for me, right now as it stands, it's only the Seahawks, and that's just because, you know, the the pedigree of uh, Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, Rich Richard Sherman. Um, and then obviously having Russell Wilson at, at quarterback. And so when you have a bunch of guys who have done it, uh, a coaching staff that's been there and done it, um, you know, as, as, as many years consistently they have over the last five or six years have really been the class of that conference. So when you have that, that's, that's a team that you always have to keep your eye out for. And in typical fashion, they came out of the gate stumbling and by, you know, around this time, they start to stabilize and go on a, on a run where they really um, elevate for the rest of the season. So I see the Seahawks right. doing that right now, and I think that they can continue that. But, you know, as I the, the friend I mentioned two weeks ago on this podcast, he actually uh, called me the next day and told me to stop pumping up the Eagles because uh, I'm cursing them. But um, as I told him <laughs> the next day that, you know, I think those two are the class of the NFC right now. And because I believe big on uh, – in the theory that it's really hard to travel east to west or west to east, uh, you know, across a uh, complete coast to coast trip and win. Um, yep. For me, it's really who gets the number one seed. If the Seahawks come to Philly, I like Philly. If the F- if the Philly has to go to the to Seattle, I like Seattle in that game.
1: Yep, I I agree of all that, and I I also think that there's a, there's some potential here that the Rams can make a push uh, because they have a, such an elite defensive unit, and like I said, they have a really good ground game, something that Seattle has been lacking uh, ever since. Um, they had to rely on Thomas Rawls and Eddie Lacy, which is uh, which is a real shame. But we'll see what happens going forward. The Eagles in LA also don't week? have anyone to ground. What's that? I said, weren't you uh, weren't you just in L.A. last week? Uh, yeah, a couple weeks ago actually. And I did watch oh, the Rams, yeah, and they were, didn't look were, that great.
0: You were well. It sounds like you were drinking the Kool-Aid the whole time you were out there.
1: <laughs> I was, and they were, and the Rams were playing the, the the they were playing the Seahawks and they didn't look that good. So, uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen. <laughs> who knows what's going to happen. All right, let's go on to our next uh, – let's go ahead and ring the bell on that one. Let's move on to our next topic. That's some fantasy football. That's the MVP at the halfway point of the fantasy season. The fantasy season is already halfway done. I can't believe it. Uh, so tell us, what is your uh, fantasy football MVP at this point of the season?
0: Yeah, so um, I, I went with one quarterback who, uh, who has been uh, electric this year. Um, and that's Carson Wentz. If you've had Carson Wentz, you know, three, yeah. uh, two of the last three weeks, um, this man has been uh, has been you know just uh, on fire. So, um, you know, throwing uh, as many touchdowns and as uh, many yards as he's racking up, it's been, uh, yeah, he's just been he's been unbelievable. So. Um, that was yep. my first one. The second one, I wanted to go off the beaten path. This is not for you in standard league, so do not listen. Um, but I, I wanted to take a chance to pump my own tires here. Um, okay. most of my leagues, especially leagues, where, where the tiers of, of distance field goals um, that are tiered differently. And uh, there's a big bonus for anyone kicking 50-plus yard field goals, like in one of the leagues I run. Um, Ryan Suckup has been putting up 20 to 30 points a week because that man yeah. is automatic from beyond 50. So uh, yep. for for anyone is looking uh, looking to strengthen a you know a position that not everybody's looking paying attention to down the stretch I go him. But in all seriousness too, um, I do have to make an honorable mention for for Gronkowski. Um, he's had about two bad weeks. One he was out, and there was another week where he just didn't do a lot. But um, he's staying healthy to this point. Knock on wood for my Pats. And uh, you know he's still he's still a weapon at the tight end spot. And obviously Ertz is up there. But um, you know I think Gronkowski's been steadily uh, you know good good for. Uh, ten points one way or the other in the leagues to this point.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with that. He's he's in a class of his own. I think Ertz is getting there. Uh, but Gronkowski definitely task a, a class of his own for tight ends. Uh, I, my guys are a little bit different. I'm going with Deshaun Watson. You know, I, I agree, Wentz has been a fantasy MVP. Uh, he was drafted very late, but Watson wasn't drafted at all. In fact, he wasn't even starting in the first game of the season. And even though he didn't start that first game of the season, he has never had a game without at least a touchdown. And he's only had one game without multiple touchdowns since he started. So uh, he's had 17 total touchdowns already. He only has five INTs. He's lost only one fumble, and that was from the first game of the season. Did you know that his 15 passing touchdowns this year is the same as the total passing touchdowns of all Texans quarterbacks last year? And already he has 202 total rush yards uh, in just, you know, this half of the fantasy season. I I think Deshaun Watson... I mean, you could feasibly, and I have a lot of friends who actually have this, have Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz on your fantasy team, and you're sitting super pretty right now, and you have some significant trade bait. And if you're in a dynasty league, you're, just, you're basically on cloud nine for the next 10 years. So uh, I like Deshaun Watson. I like Kareem Hunt as my second guy, and I know that's kind of really, you know, no surprise. His average draft position moved around a lot after Spencer Ware went down in the preseason, but it never went higher than the fourth round, which is amazing considering that he averages 102.4 rush yards per game, as well as 40.7 receiving yards on about 3.6 receptions per game. That is a lot. And he has six total touchdowns in just seven games so far. That's pretty good for a fourth-round pick. So those are my guys that I like in the fantasy football Realm. So let's go ahead, ring the bell, let's go on to our next topic. And our next topic is Martavis Bryant. He's all over the news because he's put himself all over the news, and you might have all seen this. October 23rd, he went on Instagram, and he indicated, quote, Juju, and he's talking about Juju Smith-Schuster, wide receiver of the, uh, the, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. He says, Juju is nowhere near better than me, fool. All they need to do is give me what I want, and y'all can have Juju and whoever else so on october twenty third he accentuated that by skipping a mandatory team meeting and later on saying it was a doctor's appointment although that was never there was never any uh, any uh, indication that was accurate and october twenty fourth Bryant then told ESPN that he quote wants out period if the Steelers don't try to include him more. He said, quote, I just want to be happy. I would like for it to be I would like to be here, but if not then oh well, just got to move on. On October 25th, Big Ben said that well, yeah, we're trying to get him opportunities, but he's just not there. Uh, sometimes I overthrow him, but sometimes he just doesn't run the right route, and we just not on the same page. October 25th, he's demoted to the scout team, and Mike Tomlin tells him he's inactive for the week. Oh, there's a lot of stuff from Artavis Bryant. So what are your thoughts on this entire situation, uh, Ryan? With Artavis Bryant right or wrong going on social media, is it a situation where the Steelers should have deactivated him for week 8, or was this kind of an over overstep on their part?
0: Overstep? The only thing Mark Davis Bryant should do is shut the hell up. This man, <laughs> this man got suspended for a full season because he can't stop smoking weed. You know what? You're an NFL player, and I understand that it's legal in some states and that most of us in our life at one point or another have smoked weed and, and that it's not this big taboo thing anymore. You know what? When you're making that kind of money, NFL money, can you put it aside for 10 years? Can you just, like, this same, same crap with Josh Gordon for years. Can you just go be an addict on your own time? you get a, you got a chance right now during these 10 years to do something else you can ever do. So this team stands by him, brings him back, and now he's pissed about his targets? Oh, get the hell out of here. This man, <laughs> this guy who I was super high on before the season started, yeah. the worst. Me too. The worst kind of receiver in the NFL. The diva receiver who thinks he's great when all he can do is run a fly route. Do you know one of you know the last guys? in Pittsburgh who thought he was better than them and thought that he made them, not the other way around is? Mike Wallace. What the hell yep. has Mike Wallace done the last five years? suck Right in the Martavis pine Bryant tonight. Will be a, he, yeah, Martavis Bryant will be a footnote in three years if he's even still in the damn league. So, you know what? He can he can try to blast his way out of town. If I was Pittsburgh, and this is the part where we disagree from our pre-show notes, I would inactivate mm-hmm. this man every single week. Sit down and shut up. Enjoy. Until yeah, I well, You don't get to go anywhere. Or pull a Bill Belichick and trade his ass to Cleveland.
1: See ya. Yep. So I totally agree with the social media part of it and the Martavis Bryant acting out part. I think all that is absolutely true. He should just shut the heck up and get on the field and play uh, wherever he needs to play, wherever the Steelers need to use him. But the reason why I thought the Steelers should not have deactivated him in Week 8 is because they really need to get rid of him. And I think the best way to do that is to keep him in and... Feature him a little bit so he shuts the heck up, but also build up a little bit of trade value because there's got to be teams out there that would like to take the shot off him. And I, and I think that you could probably offload him and get something in return, and that's the best thing right now because obviously he's not welcome in Pittsburgh anymore. And he made the situation bad for himself because they did stand by him for that entire year, and it did guarantee that they were going to put him in there. And, and now he's acting like a big baby because – they got Juju Smith-Schuster out there, and poor Juju Smith-Schuster had his bike oh, stolen in the same week. <laughs> poor guy, he's had a rough week. But uh, yeah, so yeah, I, I, I do agree, though. Clients, so. Yeah, right. That's true. All right, so let's go ahead and ring the bell on that one. Let's go to our next topic. I want to talk to you a little bit about the poor Green Bay Packers. Now, I hate the Packers. You know that because I'm a Bears fan. But you know what? You can't hate Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback because he is definitely one of the best in the business. And we saw what Brett Hundley did to them when he started last week. He showed practically zero chemistry of any receiver, could not complete passes in any way, shape, or form. They were all just basically dumpsville. He did manage to run a touchdown into the end zone, but this is not something that looks good for the Green Bay Packers. What do you think? Do the Green Bay Packers have any hope without Aaron Rodgers this year?
0: Zero hope. Um, this is a team that has stupidly uh, asked their quarterback um, to, to do everything for them for years. And when, when you have that formula, you can't – you know, I talked about that. I think there's a lot of teams out there that they can, you know, suffer any that uh, they can survive anything but, you know, one of three guys going down – and Green Bay, it's one of one. It's all on Aaron Rodgers' shoulders. Um, which is and I always come back to when I do this with you uh, when we talk about Aaron Rodgers. Is that you know what? Uh, if Aaron Rodgers wants more help, take a take a you know a page out of Brady's playbook and um, and you know and take less. But he won't do that, and so he has a high contract. So they can they can only put around him what they can put around him. Um, so it just is what it is. But this team is. They're a they're a one man team, and that one man is out for most of the season, if not all. So, uh, put a fork in them. I, I'd be surprised if they win more than two games the rest of the year.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think they are a mess. Uh, they don't not have a strong enough. I mean, you know, they 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 do have some as semblance of a run game now. But it's not strong enough for them to uh, to do anything with it at this point. I think that they don't have a good enough defense to stay in games without their quarterback, unlike some other teams in the league. Uh, Packers, I'm sorry, they're going down uh, in flames for the rest of the season without Aaron Rodgers. Let's turn to another team. Let's talk about the Arizona Cardinals. Now, maybe there was no hope for them anyway because they lost David Johnson early in the season, but now Carson Palmer is out. Uh, essentially, he's put on IR now, so he's not coming back. They are now going to rely on Drew Stanton, maybe Blaine Gabbard. What are your thoughts about the Arizona Cardinals?
0: Yeah, so I, I hope by the end of the season that I that I can go back to not talking about the Arizona Cardinals ever again. Um, <laughs> they have one one good receiver. I mean, they have two, but John Brown um, will never be healthy again, apparently. So you can you can write him off. So they have one good receiver. They have an all-world running back, and then they have a bunch of overrated players. Uh, Carson Palmer's not good anymore, um, and now obviously injured. The defense is overrated, and, uh, you know, Tyran Matthew is a, is a good player, but when you let guys like DJ Swearinger go, who's making a huge impact right now elsewhere, and Calais uh, Campbell leaves. And uh, you bring in guys like Chandler Jones, who uh, I'll say it again for all you people, because I know every year I hear this from the Patriots defense starts off slow. Oh, the Patriots miss Chandler Jones. Yeah, they do. They miss. They do miss Chandler Jones sacks in September when he racks up eight or nine. But when he fades off at the end of the year, when the games matter, um, you, you know you don't need him anymore. So Arizona is the perfect place for uh, for for a guy like Chandler Jones because he can just go and beat up on bad teams and uh, doesn't have to perform in the playoffs because they can't make it. So um, this team, this team's overrated. It's a joke. Bruce Arians, overrated. Um, he's, a, he's an absolute moron. Uh, you know, again, coming out at the end of uh, last year, or the beginning of this year, and talking about how the week one loss derailed their whole season last year against the Patriots. You lost in week one and you gave up? That was it for the Cardinals last year. It seems a joke. So uh, no, they they they're gonna they're gonna win maybe one game down the stretch, but they're they're also cooked.
1: Yeah, I uh, totally agree with that. I think that the Arizona Cardinals were cooked actually from the time that David Johnson was out, but this definitely seals their fate. True Stanton, I don't even know how he's in the league anymore. Blaine Gabbert, we already saw what we can get out of Blaine Gabbert. It's not good, and you're right, John Brown is perpetually injured. I just don't see anything happening. I feel bad for Larry Fitzgerald in a way because I think he's a great player and probably deserves better. But, you know, that's the way uh, the cookie crumbles, so that is that. And let's talk about one more team before we sign off, and that is the – Atlanta Falcons, obviously, uh, they are now three and three after losing three in a row. The latest to the Patriots last Sunday night on the in the Super Bowl rematch, hardly a rematch. Uh, there now, Matt Ryan is a big reason why they're not doing well, averaging just 265 passing yards per game. He only has seven total TDs to six interceptions in six games this season. Last season, he only had seven interceptions all season long, and he's almost there already after six games he's uh projecting to just have under 19 total touchdowns for the season which would be his lowest total since his first year in the league in 2008 so what are your thoughts on the falcons can they turn this around is matt ryan just cooked i mean what's happening here
0: well i mean it's a it's it's a two-pronged issue first issue obviously is that um you know the the patriots uh reached in their hearts and ripped, uh, reached in their chest, ripped out their hearts, stole their pride and pants them in front of the world last year, <laughs> and you just don't recover from that. So, um, you'll never hear from this team again. They're done. Um, they're going to have to do it with somebody else. Matt Ryan, as I said, you know, he almost proved me wrong last year, but then in the most spectacular fashion proved me right about what a choke artist he is, and then, you know, you look at him the other night. There was a couple times he had receivers open and he just sailing the ball all over Gillette Stadium. It was a, it was a sight to see Sunday night. Um, but also, did you hear about uh, uh, Sarkisian today? The news about him. No, what was that? Oh, it was nothing because this this idiot of a franchise can't figure out that he's ruining that offense and they haven't fired him yet. So I guess we'll <laughs> disemploy him all year. Take take one of the best offenses in football last year and, and cut it and cut all of their numbers in half. Oh oh, what do you do on fourth and goal? Do you run a jet sweep to your fifth your fifth best playmaker and Taylor Gabriel? The, uh, Sarkeesian Sarkisian does. Um, but, you know, we all know about his past, so maybe he was a little bit half in the bag the other night. It was a night game, so what do you expect? But um, they're, they're a joke. This team, that, that defense that was supposed to be young and progressing looks lost and, and uninterested. And, um, you know, Grady Jarrett looks like he's taken a step back. Uh, Deion Jones is about the only one I was impressed with the other night or have been impressed with this season. And, uh, you know, definitely – definitely a good idea that they've only targeted you know even after this game now julio jones twice in the red zone i would i would keep throwing it to everybody but but you're all you're all world receiver and then he comes out after the game and uh accuses the patriots of firing off fireworks to contribute to the fog which by the way just for everyone who doesn't go to patriot games those are actually muskets it's a, uh, it's a uh, eight replica guns from from the revolutionary war it's not fireworks and uh Gunpowder doesn't create fog like that, but that's cute. That's cute. Good, good to know that we are just living inside of Julio Jones and the Falcons' heads still. Uh, last February will never end for them.
1: <laughs> well, uh, we, this is no surprise to anybody who's been listening to the, uh, the show how Ryan feels about the Atlanta Falcons, uh, but they are definitely doing a good job of proving him right so far. So you think that there is no chance of them turning it around? I think there is a shot. I'm not saying that they will. But they are playing Tampa Bay twice, and and Tampa Bay has the worst pass defense in the league, and perhaps it gives uh, Ryan an opportunity to improve. They do play Carolina twice. That's the 15th best pass defense. That's just middle of the road. And they play Dallas and the Jets, who have bottom 10 defenses themselves. So six of his last 10 games are against arguably favorable passing matchups. Maybe he can turn things around, but I don't think the Falcons have what it takes to turn it around completely. And uh, I think it will be an issue. I suspect that they will be a mediocre team that, uh, if they make the playoffs, will just sneak in and lose immediately, which, uh, you know, it's a, it's quite a drop-off, a huge drop-off from what we saw last year. So that brings us down to the end of the show. So I'm going to go ahead and ring the bell on our last topic here and blow the horn on the entire show. So tell us, give us uh, your, your Twitter and your Instagram account so that people can follow you, Ryan.
0: Yes, Instagram is football underscore garbage underscore time, and you can find me on Twitter at Ryan Whitfield NE, and make sure to go check out my boys at draftingsleepers.com, the social network for fantasy sports.
1: And, of course, tune back into our website for all the content coming into the new week. Our NFL picks will be coming up soon, so you'll be able to check that out. We've been doing really well, and I know that we've been going head-to-head for a while with Urban Sports Scene as well, so you'll get some information on how they're doing against us. And tune back into our website, footballgarbagetime.com, to check out Ryan's 12 Men on the Field, which comes out on a weekly basis. And, of course, we have DFS picks coming up on the website soon as well. In the meantime, you can follow me at FB Garbage Time, and the Thursday game is about to start, so enjoy your NFL week.